Take the checking account challenge from Royal Credit Union. Compare your checking account to Royal and see why it makes sense to switch. Royal's checking accounts have no hidden fees and lots of free features that make it easy to stay on top of your money. You can deposit checks with Royal's mobile app, receive real-time notifications when transactions happen, and even freeze your debit card in seconds. See what other features you're missing out on and make the switch to a Royal checking account at rcu.org slash royalchallenge, insured by NCUA. Welcome to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony Lepantic, come to you live from Tuttle's in front of a live studio audience. Thanks for everybody for coming on this very weird weather day in the Twin Cities. Uh, I had a hailstorm by my place about an hour and a half ago, and now it's just absolutely gorgeous out, Anthony. And I stopped at Starbucks. I bought two coffees, one for you, one for me. I drank yours. Now I'm three quarters way through <laughs> I was mine. I say, I didn't see mine. Yeah, I know. It's uh, been ingested. Sorry. Nice. Uh, can, the bad weather has a way of... Getting you all derailed mentally. I know. There was a storm in Shoreview this morning, but it, it was beautiful downtown all day today. Yeah, I uh, I was on a 6 a.m. flight out of uh, St. Louis, so I didn't get to see that storm in uh, Shoreview this morning. Um, you guys had a uh, lovely travel day on the tarmac at St. Louis City Airport, huh? Yeah, a little delay. It, we knew about it before we even left the rink that it was going to happen, and We've had more delays this year, I think, than any other season that I can remember. I mean, it wasn't too bad. It was about an hour and a half. But instead of being in my kitchen at 10 o'clock, I didn't get in my kitchen until 1130 last A little better than 2018 when the Wild were eliminated in Winnipeg and you sat on that cold, icy, frozen aircraft for like 8, 10 hours. It was crazy. And and knowing that it was very likely our general manager was going to be fired. Yes. And I was sitting about maybe five or six rows behind Bruce and Chuck and Chuck sitting one row behind Bruce. And most of us had a pretty good idea that, that Chuck was on the way out and just sitting on the, on the tarmac that night. It <laughs> Very was uncomfortable. It was a long night. We had to wait for, if I remember correctly, we had to part. wait for a different plane to fly apart up there to us. And we wound up, and didn't like then the crew time out, and then that crew had to bring you. It was something. There was crazy. something weird happened, yeah. I, but I remember getting on that plane and knowing the season's over, so everybody's a little down anyway. And then it was, it was. I think it was an eight-hour delay. Yeah, I have this. Uh, I, have I remember this. in that series there was a blizzard yeah. earlier it's the in the only series, game the Wild won. and where Winnipeg had to fly to Duluth and then turn around and go back yep. to Winnipeg because they couldn't get to St. Paul on the off day. And they flew in the day of the game the and the got game. smoked. That right. was the game of the Eric Stahl getting cross-checked in the face game. Right. Yeah, um, but it is... Uh, I have the, I've always had this pattern. I don't know. It's sort of the same thing. Like every five minutes a game, I count the bench to make sure there's 13 players there, 13 skaters. Um, it's the same thing. I don't know what it is. Whenever I leave the press box after every game I've ever covered, I always just on the road, I always look at your flight to just see where you are. Like, just make sure you guys took off. And so yesterday I'm like, you know, I mean, that just shows you how long it took that you guys were in St. Louis that I'm, I get up from my press box seat to, to go back to my hotel. And I happen to call up your flight and I'm like, Still in St. Louis. What's going on here? Yeah. So yeah, right away I do. There are a lot of guys who just stood out on the tarmac. And, I mean, we fly. We're spoiled with how we fly. Yeah. Never set foot in an airport ever, unless we're coming back into the United States from Canada and have to go through customs. But as our bus pulled up, guys were just standing around, and normally you kind of wait till the players get on the plane first. And I turned to Andrew Hyde, our our team services guy who organizes all the travel, and I said, "Is there?" a reason why nobody's going up the steps. And he said, well, some of those guys just don't want to sit on the plane. They'd rather stand out here. And well, I heard the plane was like 95 degrees. Wasn't that it what was, was going on is that they couldn't start it so they couldn't get the AC going or yeah, something. It was a little bit warm, but it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And the truth is like I had been standing up all game, so I didn't care. And I was tired. I just sat in my seat and I know it'll come as a shock you to knew. you that I yeah. have. I had yeah. no trouble falling asleep was, for a while. I was flying back from uh, Winnipeg this season, and Sarah McClellan was sitting next to me. We were in uh, 
I think in first class and we had a ridiculous travel delay. Um, and she wakes up and she, she looks at me, she goes, are we in Minnesota? I go, no, we are not in Minnesota. We have to, and you know what stunk about that? So that was back in February when we had to fly back to Minnesota and literally she and I would ha- had to go to a CVS to go get a COVID test to fly to Calgary, like in two days later to go to Edmonton and f- connect through Calgary. And so like it, just the fact that we were delayed really screwed up our day to go get our COVID test. It was just a mess because though I think the Pan- while we're playing the Panthers that night and we couldn't afford to miss that COVID test because we needed our results to get to Calgary. Uh, man, those those were the days when we had to get. There was like one week where I had to get like nine COVID tests in a week. So um, and by the way, I've also had the most hellacious travel this year. The worst travel like delays in my I life. I told you so. the story about the time we turned around from New Jersey and landed yeah, in, Detroit, in Detroit, and I, I didn't know that, that we had. That we had detoured. Yeah. And I woke up when we hit the ground and started unpacking my stuff out of the bin. And everybody looked at me and like, what are you doing, dumbass? We're in Detroit. And I had been sleeping the whole time, so I didn't hear the announcement. And woke up when we hit the ground. And they said it was the roughest landing anybody had ever had. They were, said you were bouncing out of your seat and just stayed sleeping. Yeah. And then we, I fell asleep again before we left Detroit. And the next time I woke up was when we hit the ground and... Minneapolis. That reminds me of 2010 when I was flying. I flew to and from Helsinki with the Wild on on this awesome giant like uh, first class charter. And uh, we're coming back though. We had a refuel in uh, Iceland, and we left. So the game would have been like seven o'clock local uh, uh, Helsinki time. So our flight left Helsinki at like 11 p.m. So pitch black coming across the Atlantic. And we had a refuel in, in Iceland, and we land, and it is just, I mean, there's nothing. You just, you know, black ocean, and all of a sudden we hit the ground, and it scared the heck out of everybody because there was no indication that we were this close to the ground. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was an interesting landing, to say the least. And then we weren't allowed off the plane because technically then you would have to clear customs. But I still consider that I've been to Iceland once in my life. One of these years, we have to do one of our trips to Iceland. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm in for that. So I mentioned we're at Tuttle's Let's go in here. the summertime when there's daylight. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we're here at Tuttle's. Uh, one of our awesome sponsors is Grain Belt. Uh, there are Grain Belt specials here today. If you buy, if you get a uh, Grain Belt on tap, three and three fifty. Also Northeast for three fifty. Yep. And then you go right up there. You fill out a little uh, raffle ticket. You throw it in the bucket for right for at the end of the night. We're going to be giving away a uh, camping chair. Also, there is a microphone right here in front of Brienne. And uh, if you ask a question during the show, same thing. Fill out your name and throw it in the bucket, and you have a chance to win that Green Belt camping chair. So Wild 2-2 uh, in the series. They get the game three win. Um, played great that game. Awesome games by Brodeen and Dumba. Awesome games by Erickson, Felino, and uh, Greenway. Um, then game four, and those five dependable players actually weren't very dependable yesterday. They're just tough games for those five, and the Wild wind up losing the game, and now they're in a best of three. Uh, and I mean, we talked before the series, and this is exactly where I thought this series would be. Yep, I thought did. it would be two-two, and and I thought the games would go exactly as they've gone. I I really felt like, and and we sat at dinner before the game yesterday, and, and you said, and that, I, said yeah. I think the Blues win this game. I, there's a desperation level at different times in a series, and when teams have it, it's really hard to manufacture it. It's really hard to fake it, and the Blues had it. I think the Wild had it in Game Two. And now it's interesting because now I, I think everybody's got it every night from here to the end. But they're just different points. And, and I thought the Blues, the way they juggled their lineup yesterday, and I just I felt like this was it. They were shoving all their chips in, changing their goaltender, rearranging three out of their four forward lines and only keeping two forwards on the fourth line. It was, guys, this is all we got. This is the last move we can make. And they responded. I, I thought St. Louis played great. Yeah. And even with them playing great, the game was there for Minnesota to draw even late. And they had a number of chances that could have tied that game. And even though it ends up 5-2, that was not a 5-2 game. It, it was 3-2 with... Empty night. And yeah, I mean, it was... Yeah. But it was... The Wild had probably four or five grade-A chances late in that game after they got it to 3-2... Minnesota was the better team for the last half of the game. And, and yeah, at one point, the shots were 26-9 St. Louis. At one point, I look up, it's 29-25 right. St. Louis. I think it was an 18-4 run, if I remember right, at the, some point um, for the Wild. The, 
you know, I know it's a broken record, but the power play is just so disappointing. I mean, it just, it's not only, it just, like, that's, a, they score a power play goal with eight minutes left and they win that game. And, and it just, it never seems to come through when they need it. And again, it's the same story all the time. They, too cute, too perimeter. Um, when this power play has been good this year, it's when they just get simplistic and throw it at the net and let Eric's neck jam away at the puck. He had 12 power play goals this year, and I don't know what it is about the th- the three skilled forwards on that number one unit and Kaprizov and Fiala and Zuccarello, but it's like sometimes they just they feel like they've got to, you know, as I just said on Barrera's show, paint a Picasso. I, I don't get it. Yeah, the one thing you have to remember about is this St. Louis penalty kill is really good. Yeah. They were fifth in the league on the kill over the course of the season, and I think they're really good. I think they've they pressure it. They seem to pressure at the perfect times, and then when there's no pressure to be made, they pack it in pretty well, make it tough to get to the net. I don't. I don't disagree with you. I think the Wild have been a little. They've tried to be a little too perfect on the power play, but I also think you got to give some credit to the Blues' kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Blues had the best special teams in the NHL when you combine power yeah. play with penalty kill. They were number one, and it's not surprising that that's been in their favor in this series. You knew it was going to be in their favor coming in, and that's where the Wild have been better is five-on-five, five, and they've been clearly better throughout this series. The high-danger chances five-on-five – are more significantly in Minnesota's favor than in any series but one in the league. They're 60-40 right now in that area, and that's where Minnesota has the edge. If they can keep it five on five, they'll win this series, and I think they win it in six games either way, but the special teams will still favor St. Louis. Um, So you just mentioned how St. Louis going into game four changed up a ton of stuff. I wonder if they did play 11-D because they knew Scandella was, you know, maybe iffy in the game. But regardless, they changed the goalie. They changed all four forward lines. They they make roster changes in terms of personnel. Wild now are going into game five, but it feels like maybe because they're going home, it's 2-2, that there's a different level of desperation. Talking to Dean today at the, at the press conference, it sounds like they had a good debate today about their lineup, but they also were weary of making a bunch of wholesale changes and painting this perception that they're panicking. So I get the impression that we're not going to see major changes tomorrow night. Maybe a Kulikov in for Goligoski. Um, What's your gut say? I don't think you'll see major changes. It wouldn't shock me if we saw Kulikov for Goligoski. I thought when they made the change the other way, bringing Goligoski in, it was at the perfect time, and, and he played really well. I, I think right now you might try something, but it'll be subtle, possibly a fourth line. I mean, they haven't used you, Duhame you, much. Yeah. That, that's the one thing. I like. I, I, I the like the fourth line's given them no offense yet. They're in the offensive zone a lot, and so part of me wonders, like you know, can you help Jost out by putting more of an offensive-minded right wing next to him in Bukestead? I mean, what Maybe, do you think? And I think Bukestead's played well this year. It, it, that's what I'm saying. It would be a subtle change, though. It'd be and. Maybe you throw Bukestad in there and just see what happens. And Because it's not like you're taking out a player that's right. brought a ton to the table so far. Mm-hmm. They don't use Duhame on the penalty kill. He hasn't played many minutes. Why not give Bukestad a shot and just see what happens? But I, don't, I think if, if there are changes, they'll be small. And I don't think that there's a, a panic in any way. I just think right now, when you get to this point in the series, both teams play every game with desperation because you yeah. know now that... Your season's on the line, and what is the number? I believe it's 79% yep. in Game 5 when it's 2-2. Whoever wins Game 5 wins the series almost 80% of the time. So I think both teams will play with that kind of edge. And You know, I, I just think the the way the Blues approached it, and I, I do think that's probably why they went 11 forwards and 7-D in that game was they had an inkling about Scandella, but the the way that they, even at, Scandella played 90 seconds. And yet they still had, Santini only played three minutes. They basically played five defensemen the whole game. And And really two. And really two. (laughs) So, and that, you can do that for a night. You might even be able to do it for two nights. That's going to catch up with you because where we've also reached is the point in the series where desperation sets in, but so does fatigue. Now it's travel back and forth after every game. And you've got two guys in Falk and Pareko who played over 30 minutes the other night, 
and now they fly up here. If you ask those guys to play 30 minutes again here Tuesday night and then get on a plane and fly late night, these are 8.30 starts the rest of the way and 8.30 starts with travel back and forth after every game. That takes its toll on you. I just don't think that it's a recipe for long-term success. Maybe they get Letty and Bortuzzo back as the series progresses, but those guys have logged a lot of minutes right now. And Craig Berube said there's a decent chance those guys play tomorrow. They're obviously skating, and we know they have head injuries, so the fact that they're skating means that they're getting healthy. Um, that, to me, is why yesterday was just a missed opportunity, because you had this ability to go out and get a goalie that is we've seen uh, very easily unravels, not just play-wise, but mentally. He loses his temper and things like that. And then you have... A, a blue line that was just be beyond inexperienced. And the fact that they just did not get in on the forecheck in the first period and really hammer that D it obviously the way the game unravel uh, unfolded there in the first period, you know, clearly they had a situation where you take the double minor by Fiala, the Erickson Eck penalty, the four on four, the wild really on a, couldn't get in on five on five, but it was just such a missed opportunity. Yeah, I thought I think it was, but I think the way Barubi managed it is you, they didn't have a lot of minutes against the inexperienced guys. Perunovic played 12 minutes and most of that's on the power play. Yeah. That he just decided tonight I got there's no tomorrow if we lose this game. So if I got to play Falcon Pareko 33 34 minutes, that's what I'm going to do because I cannot lose this series with Steven Santini on the ice. I can't lose this series with Perunovic playing at even strength. And he just made up his mind. Mikel only played, what, I think 18 minutes. He basically played two defensemen. And, but he knew that he had to have that game. And that's what I'm talking about is the desperation from players, but also from a coaching staff. And players feed off of that. And now maybe he knew already that we'll win this game and then we'll get Letty and Bortuzzo back and I can take a little mileage off those guys. But other than Chris Letang in Pittsburgh, those two guys have played more minutes than anybody in the playoffs and in regulation time. I, we've got a chart we're going to use in tomorrow's broadcast, and I threw out the Penguins-Rangers series because they had the triple overtime game, so everybody's time on ice per game looks higher than it really is. But just in regulation minutes, those guys are 1-3 and three so far in this postseason. And, you know, they, they just knew they had to have that game. And they I, got it. Yeah, and I, I felt like right. I think there were signs early in that game that the Wild just were not engaged. They were they were bailing on checks. They were letting them get pucks first in on the four check. That's how the first Cairo goal happened. Um, you know, it just I think that was a sign. Brodeen and Dumba did not have a good night. Um, but uh, I've got to think that we're going to see a better Erickson Eck line. That that line, I think they had one shot maybe in the game. Yeah, that was the first maybe. I don't remember the last time they had what you would say was a subpar night. Yeah, and that was, um, you know, they weren't on the ice for the second Kyra goal, but that was their mistake in the neutral zone. And Greenway and Perron started getting into it at the bench. And then they went for a line change, so it looks like they weren't responsible, but they were on the ice for essentially for two goals in 54 seconds. Kevin Fiala, obviously great uh, end to the regular season, Anthony. Um, uh, 13 games, he had 10 goals, 24 points in his final 13 um, right now, one assist, 11 shots, seven penalties. Um, what do you see going on with him? I thought that line was actually pretty really good, good in, in, in game two. It just couldn't score. Right. And then I thought game three, they had a tough night. And they were good late in game four. They need to score. They've got to find a way to score. And the, the fact, I thought when they got the, the goal in game four that maybe we'd, it would just be the pressure off. I thought they were really good from that point to the end of the game, but they've got to contribute. They have to contribute, and they, I'm sure they will. It's The one thing I'll say is I don't think frustration has set in yet, which if you would have told me before the series that this is where they'd be at this point with one Boldy goal, one Fiala assist, one Goudreau goal, I would have guessed that they would have been forcing things, cheating the game a little bit, getting frustrated. And they haven't. I don't think they've done that yet. They haven't really... They haven't made any egregious errors. They've played hard. They just haven't scored. Right. And and we saw, yes, I mean, Fiala is now starting to press. He, he missed the net twice, point blank, on right. chances that could have turned I mean, the game goal, around. That happens to yeah. goal scorers yeah. when you go four games without scoring. Yeah, and we saw the final two games of the regular season. He wasn't the same player that he was the previous 11 when he had points in all 11. Um, 
You know, it's funny because what three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I did that big score, that big story on scoring in the league, and everybody when I did that story has said, "Yeah, but just wait to the playoffs. Things are going to tighten up. It's going to be three two two one games. They're going to be all one goal games." Man, it hasn't changed. Every well, game, every game feels like a blowout. It, like the series are all pretty much two two, but the games have been blowouts at right. least deficit wise. The team that's winning has five, six, seven goals. Very unplayoff like. Does that surprise you that we have not seen a real true nail biter in this series? As he said, yesterday's kind of a one goal game. Yeah, yesterday but it still was the ends first with one. three. Right. Yesterday I thought yeah. was the first one that was I thought we'd have a lot of games like that in this yeah. series. I thought it was going to be a series full of four to three kind of games. I did think the scoring would continue because I just don't think teams are wired the way that they have been in the past, where yeah, they might score a little bit in the regular season, but when it gets to the postseason because of the way teams are built and the way their lineups are built and their rosters are built. It's one of the reasons why we've guessed that the scoring was up around the league is the, the lineups are younger. So you don't have the grizzled veterans that are, no, I don't care if I ever score, you're not going to score. Now it's more young fourth lines, third lines sometimes even that are, they'll trade you chance for chance. And they did it all season, so it's not, it's not surprising to see it happening in the playoffs. Then the other thing is, where we've seen intensity pick up in the playoffs like you always do, and it's led to significantly more power play opportunities in the playoffs this year than during the regular season. I don't think that's any small part of continuing why the scoring is up. But it's really interesting. I had a buddy of mine who was out in Vegas for the right at the start of the playoffs, and he texted me and said that he had gotten advice from I don't even remember who it was. It was somebody that had something to do with one of the sports books. And he said, they're not gonna, nobody's adjusting the lines. So if it were yeah. me, I'd recommend you play all the unders in the playoffs. And I, t- <laughs> I texted him and I said, I couldn't disagree with the guy more. Uh-huh. And I, I said, I just, I'd keep playing overs. I think these games are going to continue to score. And the first night it was two overs and two unders. And he texted me and was like, yeah, and you got lucky because one of the overs was an empty netter. And I said, well, you can go whichever way you want. The next night he played four unders and lost all four of them. Yeah. It just, the games are, this is the way the game is played. And, and it's a lot of five to two, six to three kind of games. And look at the goalies in net for a lot of these right. guys. I mean, which know, like is, they're not a lot of good goalies. There's in the, the and race. some teams are on their third goalie right yeah. now. And yeah, look at Pittsburgh right now, up four, two, up two, one in the series with Deming in net. Right. And is Deming playing tonight? I think, I, he, I guess yeah. I haven't even yeah. looked, but Carolina is on their third goalie and, You've got the goaltending is not as good as it has been. Plus, as we talked earlier, I think I think the final number that ended up this year, 130 different guys played in goal as opposed to 90 last year, 93 or something like that. So it's I think goaltending isn't as good. The commitment to defense isn't as good. But the, the one thing that I'm surprised by is we have not seen comebacks in the playoffs like yeah. we saw during the regular season. There's only been six come from behind wins through, what is it right now? You got... 16 and 12, 28 games have been played. There's only four that have been won by the team that didn't score first. There's only been six wins where a team trailed, and only one where a team trailed by two goals in all of the series at this point. So strange. That surprises me. Yeah, that really does. That's very bizarre. Um, big news. You got a question? Yeah, start us off. Hello? Oh, Hello. gotcha. There you go. Works. Um, actually, I was thinking that maybe the fact that they're calling penalties is driving goal scoring too. Yeah. More more special teams, more um, less obstruction per se. Yeah, I think that's true. The playoffs typically get more physical, and that's the only reason why, because they, they let more go for certain in the playoffs. But because it gets more physical, there's more callable hits, I guess. I don't know if callable is a word, but there are more hits that you could call. And I read a story the other day that the NHL estimated that hitting is up 45% in the playoffs from what it is in the regular season. So it stands to reason that that would lead to more power plays. This season, there were fewer power play opportunities per game per team in the regular season than any season in the history of the NHL. 2.89 per team per game. In the playoffs right now, they're at about four and a half. So I do think that has something to do with it. And this is unrelated to the wild. Callable is a word, by the way, but is it's, it? But it's it's the context is finance. It's it's you know like right. calling. Well, referees are financial guys. Yeah, yeah, that's true. This has nothing to do with the wild, but 
How about the uh, how about some of these teams? Calgary. Um, They're one team that's not yeah, uh, Flo- not uh, adjusting to the offensive minded National yeah. Hockey League. That's Florida, little... Nashville, yeah. Nashville. I I nobody thought Nashville would win that series. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember we were on a text chain with the guys on our Bally Sports crew, and a couple of them predicted that Colorado would win that series in three and a half games. Yeah. And and I think they, they were right on. I, the one that shocks me, Calgary and Dallas, I thought was going to be a tight series. I still think Calgary will win that series. I thought it would be tight and low scoring. The shocker to me is it's Washington. One, yeah. I thought Florida would win that series maybe in four straight. We saw Washington late in the season, and they looked like they were totally out of gas, looked like a veteran club that was just done. And... They played well down the stretch, but that that series has absolutely shocked me. Yeah. How about Jake Ensel? Uh, goals in his first four playoff games, too. Yeah, another one tonight. Yep. He's a, he's a player, man. Unfortunately, he couldn't bail the scribes out. The, he did his best. The, he did his part. It was the other guys that didn't. He, well, you should have called some more guys' fathers and yeah, tried to get them to help you out. Well, Mike definitely gave Jake a, definitely a pep talk because he, he had tricks galore in our two weeks, but nobody yeah. else could No, he was good. In that series, I... I think everybody expected to be a tight yeah. one, and but the one that that really does shock me is the Washington Florida series, and it's I I just I didn't see Washington being able to hang with them, and even when they stole the first game, you kind of got the feel like all right, Florida will blow them out the next couple, and order will be restored. But it's the Washingtons answered the bell, no doubt. How about Barry Trotz today losing his job? Little Aaron strikes again. That guy, you know, there's some GMs that never fire coaches, or rarely, like David Poyle. I think he went like his decades without firing a coach. And then you have Lou Lamorello that'll, fi- that'll fire a coach like with seven games left in a season or on Christmas Day like he did Pete DeBoer once. And here today, uh, out of the blue, takes a, uh, take, fires a coach that took him to the conference finals uh, a couple years in a row and started the season with like 20 straight road games or whatever it was. And uh, Barry Trotz gone. I got to think there's a uh, number of general managers now put him number one on the list, including general managers that currently have a coach actually employed on that team. Yeah, like I, maybe thought, Vegas. I thought it was interesting because they actually played pretty well in the second half yeah. of the season. They just never recovered from a slow start. And you do have to put that on the coach, too. And, yes, they did have a – I think it was 13 in yeah, a row to open the season three. on the road. And and that's tough. Yeah, plus they had but, the COVID uh, outbreak. Yep. Yeah. But it's – all of that is. I mean, Thanks, the, counselor. There, well, objection. There, yeah, there is a there is something to be said for sometimes where a team finishes strong and you say, okay, well, you finished strong only because you underachieved yeah. first to start with, and but it surprised me because I they and there was no pressure late because they were basically out of it by Christmas time. So the Eastern Conference had their eight basically set for the last two and a half months, and. I don't know. It was interesting, but I and I read a couple. I don't. I haven't followed up to see if any of them are accurate. But I had I read one story that said that they had already handled all their exit interviews and everything. And it always is strange to me if you're going to have the coach sit in on all these exit interviews and here's what we want to see from you in the off season. Here's what here's where we see you fitting next year. And okay, now that all those are done, the coach is out. That it yeah. just seems so strange. So uh, to handicap, I mean, I, so Barry Trotz obviously one year left at reported four million bucks. The question is, is he going to want to coach again? I got to think that if he's going to want to coach again, he can get a job in a week. Um, you got Winnipeg right now, essentially his hometown team. They're going to probably go flying in there. Well, got, he'd be uh, a good fit in Winnipeg yeah, too. Um, another I, one. That team has lacked yeah. structure forever. Another one, uh, Philly. I mean, you remember Chuck Fletcher when Bruce Boudreaux was available was like on a plane two days later and had him here within a week. I've got to think that he's going to figure out a way to try to get in front of Barry Trotz. Um, Detroit, uh, another team. Uh, it's Vegas a coincidence has, too. That, but remember Barry Trotz used to get mistaken for Bruce Boudreaux sometimes. Yeah, yeah. He told that story, and he said, I, I walked into the XL Energy Center, and people were calling me Bruce when I was walking in through the <laughs> lobby. Um, so, obviously, and you know what? Actually, Vancouver, I mean, that's the one thing, is like Bruce Boudreaux has until June 1st to take the one-year extension. The uh, So basically the way it works is that he's, there's a club option there that they're willing to exercise at $2 million bucks. They've got to make that decision officially by June 1, or they got to buy him out at, at I think, about half a million bucks. And uh, Bruce is, I would assume, not going to walk away from either a year's left on his deal. 
But Bruce might want to be like, yeah, I'm here. You know, like he might want to uh, say yes right away before Vancouver's like, you know what? Actually, here's your half million. We're going to get Barry Trotz. So um, that, that uh, is just truly interesting. Vegas is the one interesting one, right? Could Pete DeBoer wind up in, on Long Island? And, and, uh, and you know the other uh, two names that nobody's talking about right now that it would not shock me if Lou Lamarell tries to go after? Is Babcock That's or Quenville? Mike because Babcock he does was not, the one that yeah, popped into my like, head. Let's be honest. There's baggage with both because of what happened with Babcock, obviously, at the end of his time in, in Toronto and all the stuff that came out with his, you know, bullying of of, of that you reported stuff of Marner and and then obviously uh, what happened with Quenville and, and Chicago and him losing the job in Florida. But like, you think Lou Lamorello cares? No. I I don't no, think he does not at all. If he wants him, he'll get him. You know how I like to say that I'm the one-stop shop for wild coverage? Well, Aquarius Home Services is your complete home service provider, your one-stop shop. They're dedicated to providing the highest quality water treatment, plumbing, electrical, and cooling and heating services. Aquarius can take care of absolutely everything in your utility room, and their quality service is amazing. Aquarius is highly rated in numerous online review formats, such as Google, Facebook, and Consumer Affairs. With their 100% performance guarantee, Aquarius is backed by the best material, product, and labor warranties in the business. Aquarius believes in the earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com, and don't forget to mention Russo sent you. The Sheriff family enjoys spending a lot of time outside. Hence, we care what goes into our environment. That's why we support propane, the energy for everyone. Did you know that propane produces fewer greenhouse gas emissions than electricity generated on the U.S. grid? Propane's emissions are 43% fewer. That's a lot. Propane is clean, dependable, and affordable. Plus, it's produced right here in the USA. Let's all do our part to reduce emissions from our homes, cabins, and businesses by choosing propane, the right energy right now. To learn more about propane, the energy for everyone, go to propane.com. So a friend of the show reached out to me on Twitter today and asked how they get in touch with Profile, and I sent to, I sent him and his girlfriend to Deb at uh, Profile, and uh, there's so many choices out there to lose weight. Uh, believe me, I've tried them all, uh, but I finally found the one that works. Uh, Profile is a full-fledged wellness program. My Profile Health Coach Deb designed a plan that was custom-tailored just for me. It incorporates my nutrition, my exercise habits, my lifestyle choices, my travel habits, everything. Um, I have more energy. I feel feel sometimes good. Uh, Profile worked for me, and it could work for you, too. Don't delay. Visit ProfilePlan.com slash Twin Cities and launch your transformation today. Tell them Russo sent you again. That's Profile Plan dot com slash twin cities question what's your name hey i'm charles hey charles um, i was i have actually two questions the first one being i think it was boston uh in january when fiala was a penalty machine and um uh dean sat him for a shift or two and then he came back a little bit stronger towards the end of the third was that boston that was a home game it was nine in, in nine minutes he missed the first nine minutes of a game yeah, the i don't wild, remember the opponent the but I, had I remember nine the guys game, yeah. out of the lineup and it was right after we got back from Boston. They had nine guys out of the lineup. And Dean, was it Washington? And then he came back and he assisted on Zuccarello's tying goal with like 40 seconds he left and scored the shootout. shootout. Right. All right, you continue the question. Now I'm going to yeah. look it up because it's going to kill me. I was me. just wondering if uh, you think Dean will do something along those lines in game five maybe. No. I don't think so just because, I mean, it's a different story now. Like, it's a different story, but I also think Dean has – I think he has some trust in Fiala now that he didn't have back then. In that he did say he's going to have a chat, <laughs> but Fiala has—he's shown down the stretch here that he's a different player. He's become a contributor on the penalty kill. He's scored at a high level, but he hasn't. He still makes goofy mistakes, but they've been—they've been scaled way back. Plus, it's in the playoffs is not the time to start sending messages yeah. to guys. I mean, right now it's. We need that line. He knows he needs that line. He needs Fiala to be a part of it. I think he's I think he's at the point where I've told him everything I can tell him. I've given him every piece of advice. I've tried to scare him. I've tried to pat him on the back, tried to kick him in the pants. It's now time to just go play. And then my second question being, is there any update on the uh, Marco Rossi injury? I know he came up here. Is he's, that Tria? Yeah, he's still here. He's, uh, I won't say what the injury is, but it's obvious if you see him. Um, and uh, so technically, like, he's not part of the Black Aces, but he's here. And if he becomes healthy 
and the Wild go on a long playoff run, he'll ju- they'll just officially recall him. So just because he wasn't on that list, was it was only because he's injury, not because it's not like Beckman where they sent him home. He's in town, um, and uh, and it's the type of injury that you know probably just needs a little time. So uh, that <laughs> so that's what it is. So anyway, um, so uh, but. I think his hope is to eventually get on the ice. I have Timar. Actually, you know what? I have Timar me on my other podcast tomorrow, and uh, so I'll ask him what what's the latest with uh, with Rossi. And uh, I'm calling up this game right now because it's just driving me crazy. Let's see. You talk. Yeah. Talk I'll about just something. Pretend like I'm at dinner where, where you stare at your phone and I talk to somebody else who randomly walks Ooh, by I, the table. <laughs> I think I was right. It was Washington home game. Yep. Good. Uh, so and that's he, usually about how it works. I'll be in a conversation then with whoever walked by, and all of a sudden he'll interject something from his phone, like, yep. hey, have you seen this so video of the monkey punching a kangaroo? And So Fiala, actually, no, it was uh, a kangaroo sec- punched a guy. They had that an was the video you showed draw. Uh, 35 seconds yep. left. He dug the puck out of the face off, and, and Zuccarello tied it with 35 seconds left, and then he scored the shootout deciding goal. So, um, so just as usual, great memory by me. Uh, yeah. By the way, uh, make sure you fill out your, your name there to get a uh, camping chair potentially at the end of the night. Uh, any other questions here? I guess not. Well, what oh, there you, we go. Do you think uh, Talbot gets the nod in any of these games, or do you think they're going to stick with Flower? I think Flower now, don't you? I, I think Flower as well. Unless the only way that would change would be if, let's say, they were to lose game five and Fleury didn't play well. But short of that i i just don't see still, any way yeah. and and to me if i if that was in the back of my mind i'd want to have i would want talbot to play part of game 5 before i threw him into game 6 so if you saw things start to go the wrong way with flurry in game 5 i'd want to make sure that talbot played at some point even the third period just to be in game action before going into game 6 but i i think right now they've decided flurry's the guy and he's been good. I didn't think he was particularly sharp in game four. I mean, there were really four it's pucks just, that went right yeah. through him. Yeah. And they bailed him out on two of them. Brodine made one play. Dumba made another that I actually missed live. And when I saw the replay, it was crazy how good it was kicking the puck away before it crossed the goal line. And then Felino nearly bailed him out on the other one where he ended up deflecting it off of Flurry and in. And, you know, but it's... I think right now they've just decided he's the guy. Yeah, he's, they've decided he's the guy, but I, to me, he has not been great in this series at all. I mean, it's just he just it's the style of hockey that makes him sometimes look that way. But I mean, he's like a like he it's like he's a trampoline sometimes. It's it's just uh, it's amazing the number of of one rebounds, but two after he makes that first save, how he puts himself out of position that causes helter skelter, and and I just think that's created a lot of the drama in their own end at times uh so it's just my opinion question yeah first of all thanks guys for what you do you make the season a whole lot more interesting in what you do and the information we get from you many thanks but i'm kind of wondering about mr nick delorier how he's kind of let up on his physical play it seems like after that bone crunching hit he had behind the net a few games ago and got called a penalty on that he's kind of laid off of everything you think there's something behind that, or uh, what's? I actually I don't disagree with you. Like he had a hit yesterday in the third period that I was like, I think it was at the, it was the third period that where it was like, well, it was the first time I've noticed him really in a while. Um, I, I think he plays a smaller factor in the playoffs than he does in the regular season. Shen running around right. doing what he's doing, but somebody's got to get him. He went and challenged Shen, and Shen said no. And that's what I mean is that the Blues don't have a guy that's willing to stand up to him. So the fact that he can fight is a smaller factor yeah. in this series. Maybe one of the guys who potentially could have would have been Bortuzzo, and he hasn't played. He's certainly not going to fight now. And I just think because of that, he's a little bit lesser factor in the playoffs than the regular season. I think the way game one started when the Wild were running around a little bit and Dean's preaching that we have got to stay disciplined might have – pulled him off his game just a little bit because yeah. he's, he's a little wary of, I don't want to be the guy that puts us shorthanded. And, and at the end of game three, I mean, he still serves a purpose. So at the, at the end of the game three, when St. Louis started running around with about four minutes left, five minutes left, when the Wild drew the first of the two power plays, um, I hear that, Dean, that Deloria actually turned to Dean and said, just play me the rest of the game. He goes, I'll take care of this. And Dean actually basically did. 
If you remember, he didn't play Fiala or Kaprizov or any of those guys at the end of that game. And Jalorie played the most minutes of his game that night. So that's part of the purpose is sort of let me, let me just go out there and settle things down. And that's uh, that's why they like him. And that's why they're probably not taking him out of the lineup. Now, does that mean that Duham doesn't come out of the lineup? Maybe. Um, that's I do kind of wonder that. Question. You know, I will say this. I, part of me is like I wondered if they maybe would play Durer instead of Duham, instead of Bukestad. But since Duham is no longer even playing the PK, it's not like you need to change that role. So to me, well, it's like plus it, Bukestad know, gives you a great combo with Jost yeah. where now you got a lefty and a righty yeah, for that's faceoffs why I think that he that makes line sense. could become better. Because Bukestad doesn't play special teams really anyway. Uh, so it's not like you're taking a penalty killer out if you pull Duham. He's not playing the PK right now. So if he was playing the PK and you're taking him out, I think then you play Dewar because he could play the PK. But since he's not playing special teams at all, I, I just think it's time to play Bukes. Bukes had played well in last year's playoffs. He had a couple goals. I thought he was really good yeah. went in for the wild yeah. down the stretch, too. Yeah, exactly. Question? Uh, yes, sir. Thank you so much for all your articles as well. Thanks. I live out of state. Makes following Thanks. the team uh, you very easy. You me sir, though, did you? Yes, sir. Uh, I did. Um, you're the first person ever that called me. Usually <laughs> the people call me sir. There's a lot of like patronizing when they call me sir, too. Um, so I wanted to thank you for that. My question is more philosophical in nature. We saw how Boldy started the year in the minors. He came up, Fiala exploded. He broke Gabrick's record for points in a season as well. They clearly kept Rossi in the minors underneath the nine-game threshold. Do you think it's a responsibility of management to field the best possible team on the ice or to kind of manage the contracts and build a perennial contender? Both. I, you know, look... The wild, the wild have to f- have to figure this cap out long term here, and it just made all the sense in the world to treat this uh, the, pull Rossi this way. I'm sure he's frustrated, but that made all the sense in the world to do it this way because now when the Suter buyout and the Parisi buyout are off the books, now Rossi is contract will end, and if he has a monster three years on his entry level, now you could afford him. Um, but I don't think I, they would do it if that also wasn't the team's philosophy. Like, Billy Guerin believes. Right. That's that what guy, I was just going to yeah. say is that managing the contracts is everything. You have to. Everybody does it. This isn't just the wild. And I think that was a part of the factor. I think the bigger factor was they believed he needed right. a year in the American Hockey League to develop. And the truth is, right now, he wouldn't supplant one of the top three centers in this lineup. Yeah, He just wouldn't. So the way Freddie Gaudreau has balanced the bo- the the Boldy and Fiala wingers on that line, his responsibility makes that line go. They're not as good with Rossi in the middle right now. Maybe somewhere down the road they are. So if you were going to bring him up here, would he play fourth line minutes and and play in front of Tyson Jost? It's better for him to be in the American Hockey League. So, yeah, I mean, I I think that, the, the the contract thing is the contract thing, but this is Bill Guerin. I mean, he and in fact, you know, I talked to Billy about Matt Boldy, and he said if we had called him up last year, we wouldn't be looking at the player that we are right now. Yeah, so and he, he believes that also in the first half. Now, like I still think that if you call him up earlier, he's probably the rookie of the year right now. Um, but he wasn't but, healthy. They were but, try, yeah, they yeah. they were going to call him up earlier than they did. Right, and remember, the he got injured that, on the yeah. last day of training yeah. camp. Because otherwise, there was a chance yeah. he was going to make the team. Yeah, he was starting and, the Warriors. And then, well, it was clo- They yeah. weren't. I mean, I've talked to Billy about it. And it, I mean, it wasn't a done deal yet that he wasn't going to mm-hmm. make the team. Even if he had gone down to Iowa, it might have been for a couple of weeks. Right. And then, when they were going to, the first time they were going to call him up, he got hurt again down there. Yeah, so and, in the, that December, we were flying to Edmonton, and Bill Guerin went to uh, Des Moines and I think was literally going to f- drive him boldly back up to go on the plane the next day to Edmonton. And that day he got another ankle injury. And next thing you know, Mason Shaw is on his way up. So uh, that's just how that all worked. Question, Jordan. Nice to see you. Yeah, good to be here. Uh, So with the cap issues coming up and Fiala owed a a big raise, and we're probably not going to be able to re-sign him, what kind of trade package do you think Bill's looking to get for him, and who do you think are the teams in line for him? Yeah, I mean, um, like I was on Jeff Merrick's show last week and, and, and when I was in St. Louis, and to me, I, I told him the team that makes all the sense in the world is Jersey because uh, Tom Fitzgerald and Bill Guerin are buddies. Jim Mill, who's um, the former Wild assistant to the GM that's local, comes to every single Wild game, uh, home game. 
Um, so he's seen the best of Kevin Fiala this year. And the fact that Tom Fitzgerald wants to get an impact player and is willing to trade that top five to seven pick that he's going to have this year. So I think they make all the line as a starting point. Uh, you would need to throw in something else there. Uh, but they want an impact player. And so um, that, that's sort of where that uh, Jeff Merrick report on Hockey Night in Canada came from. It was, But I will say it was conjecture by me uh, when I said that to Jeff on his radio show. Ottawa, I know for 100% fact, that uh, want him badly. Um, you know, the interesting thing here is that, that Kevin Fiala is one year from UFA. So the package that Bill Guerin is going to get for him if he trades him Really, uh, that team would need to sort of be confident that Bill, that Fiala is willing to sign there long term. Um, you know, the other issue that that it, that Jeff Merrick brought up that is something that's that Bill Guerin's going to have to pay attention to is that if he gets to July 13th this year, which is the first day of free agency, that he is eligible to sign an offer sheet, and he's definitely um, somebody that you are if you're another team you can easily figure out the math to make sure that, that the wild can't match. And, you know, but if you're Bill Guerin and you could get three or four first round picks for him, maybe that makes a lot of sense as well. If, if you don't hear what you want at the draft. So um, we'll see question. Speaking Every time of- I see, you, I feel like you came right off the movie judge, like the set of dodgeball. That's what they, uh, you know, at the, at the, uh, I, I personally don't see it, but uh, <laughs> speaking of Ottawa, why did they hire Pierre Maguire, and why did they fire him after one season? Yeah, I mean, just again, speculation. Can't answer either question. Yeah. Well, Spe- I mean, speculation is. Uh, I think a lot of us uh, at the time thought that Eugene Melnick made that decision, and Eugene's no longer with us. And um, I'm sure there was a odd dynamic there with both Pierre's Dorian and Pierre Maguire. And again, Eugene Melnick's not there anymore. So I think that it's pretty, pretty. Again, it's probably. It's a guesstimate, but it's probably uh, a good guess. Good guess. Yeah. Question. Yep, it's on. It's on. Brandon's, Brandon's the controlman over there. So my question is, what do you think about the goalie change for St. Louis? And are they going to stick with him Yes. the rest of the way? Well, I don't know about the rest uh, yeah. of the way, but yes. He'll be so, back yeah. in in game but there were Obviously, there were many chances for the Wild to score goals against him last night. He made some really good saves, yeah. but there was a lot of opportunity for them to score. Yeah. Are they going to stick with him through the rest of the... Yeah, I think, I think. I mean, I obviously, we're going to have to see the... I mean, if the Wild go out in game five and beat him 7 nothing, we'll see who's so in game six. Um, but I didn't know. think Huso was great in yeah. in the earlier part of the series. I thought game one, even though the numbers say he was he was good, but I didn't think he stole the game for him. I agree. Really, I either. thought even strength. I thought where he was great was on the power play for the Wild. The Wild had great looks that game, just couldn't score. Yeah. Even and strength they missed though, some chances too, though. That even he didn't. strength, they took a lot of like low percentage shots. Yeah, but I, I, it was a no-brainer decision. Well, I shouldn't say no-brainer. It wasn't surprising at all that yeah. they went to Bennington for Game 4, and then after he wins, you, almost, you have to go back to him for Game 5. Yep. Yep. Question? So I'm just curious if there's a, a list that you can find and rank who or which team has the best e-bugs. <laughs> well, obviously it's the Wild, right? <laughs> With Connor Beaupre? Yeah, you got Don Beaupre's kid sitting in the press box. It's got to be him. Well, yeah, but uh, you got the guy, the guy in Carolina, the Zamboni driver that came in yeah, and won true. a huge game. Yeah. It's hard to argue with and that. And plus, uh, the uh, Russo coached, uh, I can't remember what, what the name of my team was, in the Hendrickson Foundation that had Joe Maurer as our star with Mike Greenway and Nett. We beat Connor Beaupre about 15 to 14 one night, uh, one day That's down true. at uh, Blaine. So, um, one, That's just because Greenway wouldn't lay down and let Joe Maurer score on a breakaway. Un- yeah, it was unreal. No, no, Joe was on our team. It was, uh, it was, it was, I think it was Danny Hendrickson that came in on a breakaway and he refused to lay down. So uh, I think Connor let Joe Maurer score in the uh, late. So, uh, so there you go. Connor Beaupre, a lot of shout outs today. Now is the time. Uh, Now you get, uh, you can get a strong cash offer, sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer with Chris Sindahl Real Estate. Don't worry about the hassle of constant cleaning and home maintenance. Sell your home with Chris Lindahl today. Go to chrislindahl.com, fill out a quick form, receive an all-cash offer on your home today. No obligation, and the guaranteed offer allows you to bypass the market and sell your home hassle-free. 
That means no showings, no open house, no stress. Just choose when you want to move and you will close with confidence. The Wall Street Journal named Chris Lindahl Real Estate the number one real estate team in Wisconsin and Minnesota for closed transactions. One of their clients, Dino, said, quote, we got a guaranteed offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate and in 24 hours above market value, and we got to stay until we found our new home. It was smooth, easy, and stress-free. I cannot recommend Chris Lindahl Real Estate enough. The Chris Lindahl Real Estate guaranteed offer keeps you in control. It's that simple. Go to chrislindahl.com to get a guaranteed offer on your home today so you can start packing. Certain restrictions apply. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Kowalski is the place to go if you're entertaining or having a great meal. I shared with you last week about their Berkshire ham that is phenomenal, that it's basically the Akaushi is to steak like Berkshire is to ham. And hope you guys enjoyed that. I had a few people stop me. I went to a different Kowalski's the other day and had a few people stopping me and they're going through their phones with a picture of a meal that we had prepared at home and said, hey, tell me what this is. I want to, um, this is what I want to make. And so it's kind of fun when people stop you in the store and they'll usually make comments like, I've heard you talk about Kowalski's. It's interesting to see you here. So when you're entertaining or having a big meal, got to start with the best ingredients for that. Go to Kowalski's. Yeah. Hi. Um, so it seems like they changed their philosophy and how they do the penalty kill the last few games. And it seems they've gotten better. The wild. Yes. Yes. Uh, but who coaches the special teams? And do they deserve to keep their job? Because I think the power play and the penalty kill have been very bad this year. Well, I mean, um, you know, everything with with Dean is uh, is a collaboration. But, they all but, coach it. You know, but yeah, I mean, it's, it isn't it's, just one guy. I mean, technically, it's Brett McLean runs the power play and Bob Woods runs the PK. Is sort of how it's done. A little bit. But, um, and Darby basically runs the six on five stuff. But they all have their fingers in it. Yeah, every, I mean, that's the way Dean does everything. I was talking to somebody the other day. You know what I love about Dean? And we see it through all the digital media the Wild do is that he rarely comes in the locker room. Like, you know, Middleton was saying the other day that, that he just literally leaves it to the players and then the assistants will come in and do like the stuff where Darby will come in before the game and, ha- you know, give a little speech and then hand the lineup card to somebody and they give out the lineup. Or after the game, maybe even Jonas Plum or TJ Jindra or somebody will come in and give a little speech. But he stays out, so he's not overbearing and I think that keeps his voice from being drowned out. Um, but in terms of the PK adjustments, I don't know if you agree with this. Um, uh, it does seem like their forwards have dropped back to sort of like, you know, Pack it like, in more. yeah. Um, and they're essentially saying, all right, flurry, you stop the point shots. We'll stop the cross seam stuff. And, and there are two dangers with that power play. You have, Perron on the right circle and Shen on the left circle, and they're doing a good job fronting those guys. Right yeah, and now, O'Reilly's so. pretty good, too. They, yeah. The Blues had 65 power play goals this season, 61 of them from forwards, only four from defensemen all year. So I think what the Wild decided to do is let's let Tory Krug, when he was still in the series, try to beat us from up there and not let the guys beat us down here with the cross-seam passes. So I think it's helped. I think their penalty kill's been fine since game one. And the power play just, I, it's, we haven't been able to figure it out all year. We've been looking for answers, and they were right around 20%, which in most years you'd say that you can win with a 20% power play. This year, 20% was middle of the pack, but it, it, should, it feels like it should be better. I am, um, you know, I'm one of those people that always feels like, like this is not football where coordinators, you know, lose their job because their defense sucks or their, you know, the offensive line stinks, so they lose their job, special teams, blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, I'm still of the opinion of, look, coaches, you know, create a system, but it's still up to the players to show up. I mean, Dean talks about it all the time, that there's almost like no coaching that goes on the bench. He lets these guys play the game the way that they want to play, and then if all of a sudden there's some mistakes, they they button it up and things like that. But when you have a power play unit that is Erickson Eck at at the net and guys like Zuccarello, Fiala, and Kaprizov on there, it's up to them to score a power play goal. 
there's only so many levers that Brett McLean or whoever the coaches are can pull. Like, score. You guys are the all-world talents. You know, we have a 108-point guy, an 85-point guy, you know, another 60-assist-point guy. Just play the game, you know, and score the power play goal. Eight minutes left in the third period, you're down by a goal in a, in a game where you could take the driver's seat of this and come back home and win the series. Yeah, it's up they'll to you go to score. and coach him in terms of, hey, look, we passed up some shots. We, but it isn't, hey, let's have you go here and then the puck go here and, and set plays or anything. It's more just ph- philosophical, and they'll let the different assistant coaches come and weigh in, but they'll show them some clips and say, hey, look, this is, here's a spot where eight minutes ago in the game, we can't pass up this shot. My guy Shesterkin uh, pulled tonight. Yeah, only gave up six. Question. Thank you for the show. Um, <laughs> you could see when they brought in the muscle how it gave a lot of confidence to guys that oh, had it. play tough. And they could, they could do it. They just needed somebody behind them. Mm-hmm. What do you think about getting defensemen, bringing in we, – we, I think we need to get – Build them up. Get big guys yeah. on the defense. Yeah. I well, mean, that's Middleton, what Middleton yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, Middleton doesn't drop the gloves every second, but I also don't – I don't think you want a blue liner that's going to spend, you know, five minutes in the box every night and put – Just size alone. Yeah, but I think Middleton brings that. Um, I don't disagree with you on the other guys. I mean, I think Merrill brings that. He's not, like, an overly physical guy, but that guy blocks a lot of shots and fronts in, in boxes out and things like that. Goligoski, when he gets leaned on, it could be a problem at times. Dumbo right now is not healthy. Um, you know, he, um, uh, you know, Brodine obviously is all, all world, but he, you know, it's a certain style of all world, obviously. I mean, Dumbo's the one guy that's interesting because normally he's a lot more physical, but right now this guy is, he's gotten through. I mean, that injury he had in Nashville was major. Um, you know, it's, it's unbelievable what really like one day, one day, hopefully we can write everything that happened in Nashville, but that was, he was in a, a lot of dire straits that night and, uh, wound up in the hospital and all that stuff. So he's, he's, you know, the fact that he's playing right now actually is probably impressive, but they need him to, you know, play the way he did in game three and not game four, obviously. So, I mean, there's, there's a reason why he's not in the power play, right? You know, he's a power play player. He's a gunslinger. And he's not on the power play. I think that says it all right now about his health. Any other questions? What's your go. call? Game five? I think and the, the Wild win. series. I think the Wild. Well, I, I truly believe that the game five winner wins the series. And I think coming back home, I think the Erickson Eckline is going to take that pride of just they, they know they weren't good in game four. I think they're going to come out ready to play. Uh, I just, you know, on home ice, the Wild are just a, they're a different team. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to probably have to weather that same type of storm in the first. But I just, as you said at the beginning of the show, there's, uh, there, I just don't, even if Pertuzzo and or Letty come back, they're not going to be completely healthy. And I just think eventually that's going to catch up to them, don't you? I do. I think the Wild win in game five, and I don't expect game five to be a nail biter. I think game six will be a tight one down to the finish. And I still think Minnesota wins it in six games. I and- picked them in six, but it wouldn't shock me if this thing goes seven. I mean, what do you, I mean, do you, you still, I think, still six? think they win in six? I, yeah. I think the sixth game might be the one that we finally get the one right down to the wire that we've been waiting for all series yeah. long. Yeah, it's, it feels like we're due for that. Um, I just hope that it doesn't go into overtime with that 6 a.m. flight home. These 8.30 games, I've been leaving the press box at 2 a.m. I will be, I'll be like sweating that I can even make my flight. I'm going to have to bring my bags to the arena that night. Question? Uh, thank you. Um, Jake Middleton. Yeah, you brought up his name late in the podcast. I think he's played very, very well. Yeah, I did a Great. big feature on him and uh, Spurgeon that just went up tonight. So yeah, I saw it right before I walked in. And my question is, restricted free agent, do you think they sign him for multiple years? I do. Uh, maybe a three-year deal. He's the type of guy, um, he knows he's getting a raise. He's a very simple guy. Um, he doesn't want to, you know, he, he's not looking to break the bank. I think he likes it here. Why wouldn't you? He's playing on the top pair with Jared Spurgeon. His, um, you know, one thing that he was, uh, that we were talking about in this story is that his fiance is actually a traveling nurse that's licensed here in Minnesota. So I think he wants to, like, coincidentally, he was actually moving here this summer just for three months with his fiance and getting an Airbnb, and she was going to be here. And then he gets traded here out of the blue. 
So I think he would love to just establish roots here, and I think he's realizes this guy was the last pick in the draft and took him five years to get to the NHL. He's not going to all of a sudden get all greedy and be uh, like, he, know, how many times yeah. he's he actually said it one day, but you get the sense from him every time he talks. One day he just said it. He was asked a question about. He said, "I'm just happy to be here," and just had this big grin on his face. And it, you get the feel like that's how he lives it every day here. And I, the Wild would love to keep him. And I get the feeling like he likes it here, too, but we'll yeah. see. Counselor? So, actually, a, a couple comments before I actually answer my, ask my question. Yeah, if you're going to answer answered it, then, most of them, yeah. but first of all, Lou is nuts to fire Trotz. Second of all, if Trotz goes to the Flyers, he's nuts. Third of all, <laughs> if Lou hires Babcock, he's nuts even more. And fourth, Trotz should go to Winnipeg, which I would hate because... We don't want Trotz coaching Winnipeg. They would be the perfect fit because that team, that what's their one issue? They the need somebody to yeah. put that team together. They yeah. really underachieved. So my question is, you know, all the speculation about cap issues, do we keep Dumba? I don't know. We put a moratorium on these questions because <laughs> the, the answer is either I don't know or else it's speculation. Yeah. And I think... He's got a 10-team no trade. There's That's so one, many one things of the issues. that have changed, can change, and will change between now and the time to make those decisions. And right now, it's let's just focus on Game 5 yeah. and Bill, the rest Bill, of this series and see what happens. Bill loves them, but the one thing that you can't deny if you're Bill Guerin is that he's got one year left in his deal, so you're eventually going to have to extend him. And can you extend somebody that is always hurt? Always hurt. And, and, uh, and that's, a, that's a major problem. And so I'm not, regardless of the whole Fiala dynamic, regardless, in a year you have to make this decision. And I just are, are, even if he's willing to take a haircut, which I bet he is, you know, are you, are you willing to give big time money to somebody that also is, since his first major injury three or four years ago, is not nearly, I mean, the guy had 13 goals in 33, 31 games when he got hurt on a 30 goal pace, and he's not that guy anymore. So that's the issue. Yeah, he does bring some things to this team. Yeah, energy, energy, locker room. And, and exactly, and yeah. that, that are Stuff a little that harder to quantify, yeah. but it matter to Billy. So yeah. we'll see. It, there's plenty of time to worry about that. Yeah, let's hope we don't have to worry about it until the end of June. Yeah, no doubt. Hey guys, thanks for coming out. I just had a quick question. I apologize if you've already fielded this one. Um, just injuries in general. Before game one, I was thinking about you know we didn't have. Zuccarello in uh, Felino and Dumba. Any of those players by any chance that you thought maybe it would have been better or not uh, to give them another day or two and have someone up just to kind of let them heal a little bit more or not? You know what I mean? Um, to start game one of the playoffs? Sure, about? yeah. I think like, they, like were, all, they were all as healthy as they were going to get. Yeah. Okay, okay. Like Felino really dodged a bullet. Um, he's got no structural issues with his knee, so he was able to play. Zuccarello took the extra time to make sure that he was ready to play. Dumba's the one guy. Obviously, he can't shoot. That's that's an issue, but that probably was not getting fixed. Weapon, yeah. And you and you you want him in the lineup. So um, wasn't there somebody else? Greenway's healthy. You know, as yeah, healthy all of those as guys. I mean, they, if they could wait a month, they'd yeah. be healthier. Yeah, but they yeah. were, it wasn't going to change yeah. by with a couple more days. Yeah. And and you weren't going to be able to get one of yeah. those guys out of the lineup either. Yeah. Do you have a question? Why do the games start so late? Ah, uh, good yeah. question. You uh, know why? Because of TV, because of people like him. <laughs> Definitely, it's people yep. like him that causes this. Yeah, there are some people out kids. there who make their living based on games being on TV, but they, it's all because of TV. And it's, yeah. and it, it's they want uh, double headers, so you have the Eastern games, and then you have the these games, and so unfortunately, you and the Central. I wish Gary Bettman could hear this. By the way, we're gonna have to send him this clip. Because you're a rabid wild fan, you can't stay up late to watch the games. It's unfair. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, I aired girls. Right. Yeah. And I, res all these I respect players. that. The, and the only thing I would say is if you live on the East Coast, you deal with this all the time. Yeah. And I mean, Monday night football, you think about it around here, Monday night football starts at 7 15 or 7 30. For them, it starts at 8 15 or 8 30 every single week. And World Series games, or you name the big event, if you live on the East Coast, this is what they deal with. It, the games start this late. And it's just, it's unfortunate for teams in the central time zone 
because they get basically lumped in with everybody in the mountain or the Pacific because they have to be the later game. Yeah. And if there were a whole bunch of teams from the West that got in and not as many Eastern time zone teams, maybe you'd get a break, but it's just not likely to change. Yeah. So I'm curious, do you, like in the morning, like, so they go to sleep in the morning, do you DVR and let them watch the game or do they watch the highlights or read the athletic? No, they've been watching the games. Okay. And they re- stay wow. They wow, stay like you stay like They've gone. Nice. She went. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. And then of course you read the athletic, right? The right. next morning. They listen yep. to the podcast. Nice. Nice. <laughs> cool. I'll try not to swear as much uh, now that I know that. Uh, thanks, as always, for coming out here at Totals. Uh, this is actually our last live show of this month. And then, of course, we'll have two in June. Uh, we might have more. We're going to have to figure out the summer because the problem is July. Uh, I got the draft. I got free agency. We got our Europe trip. So we might have to, we'll have to figure out our, our dates. But uh, no more this month, two in June. Uh, thanks to our awesome sponsors of, Car- of course, Tuttles. Um, Profile by Sanford, Kowalski's. Royal Credit Union, Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut Water Treatments, Chris Sindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, and Minnesota Propane Association. Give Anthony a round of applause. Yeah, right. Thank you for coming. Yep, thanks. And thanks to Brandon and Brianne. Appreciate it. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I stopped at Starbucks. I bought two coffees, one for you, one for me. I drank yours. Now I'm three quarters way through mine.